Hey alumni, welcome to InterVarsity World Changers, the podcast celebrating God's world-changing work in and through InterVarsity alumni like you. I'm your host, John Steele, and today we're talking with Leah Bjorn, a South Dakota State University alumna. And Leah and her family are changing the world by opening their home to children in South Dakota who are in need of foster care. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy Leah's story. Leah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Leah, you were one of our pilot guests for our very first alumni podcast, After Four, and here we are doing it all over again. What was that, three years ago, you said? (laughs) Yeah, like almost exactly three years ago right now that we were recording that conversation, I think. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks for joining us for one of these pilot episodes of InterVarsity World Changers. I'm excited to get to to hear your story, to share your story. Uh, But as we get started here, Leah, would you just give us uh, give us an introduction? Help us get to know you a little bit. Sure. So my name is Leah Bjorn. I live in southeast South Dakota with my husband, Daniel. We live in Yankton and I'm a graduate from South Dakota State University, and I'm a nurse by trade. Daniel and I have been living here for six years, I believe. He's a graduate of South Dakota School of Mines and Technology out in Rapid City and is working here as an engineering manager now in Yankton for a manufacturing company. Um, And we have two daughters. Our daughter, Caroline, is three and a half, and our daughter, Charlotte, is almost two this month. Almost two. Wow, that's super exciting. There was a lot of must be a lot of activity going on in your house right now. <laughs> no, lots of little little girls running around, noisy, fun. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's really awesome. And you and Daniel both have a long history with InterVarsity, as you said, both uh, both students and alumni. And so l- let's get a little bit of a history lesson for you, Leah. How did you? get to know InterVarsity? How did you meet InterVarsity in the first place? And tell us just one story, one kind of standout memory for you with InterVarsity. Sure. So I went to South Dakota State not looking for a campus ministry, not really even knowing about about campus ministry. I, I came, uh, I was raised in a, in a a church attending home and had been to to Bible school and um, church camp and things like that growing up. Sure, but um, wasn't necessarily looking for that when I when I showed up on campus. Um, Amy Spar was on staff at yes. uh, SDSU. Shout out Amy and Brookings when I was a student there, and she she got my attention um, right away as a, a freshman. She caught me in the student union a number of times and, and introduced herself to me and and took an interest in me and inviting me um, to small group and to large group and and it took it took quite a few asks before <laughs> before I decided I would would maybe show up and and check something out so it really wasn't until my sophomore year of college that that I really um, checked in to university and attended large group and started attending small groups but after that time um, became um, university became a, a really big part of my time in college. And, and I even joked in college that I was going to school for campus ministry with InterVarsity <laughs> and studying nursing because I had to pick something. Yeah. Um, that's funny. 
so yeah, so that, I mean, that led to, to becoming a leader within university, leading small groups in the dorms. And, and then I even, um, was on the executive um, leadership team there at university as a, as an upperclassman. That's, that's amazing. And I'm sure that there are a bunch more of these kind of stories and we'll talk a little bit more about this as we, as we move through our time together. Uh, but Leah, you know, today we're talking about what it means to be an InterVarsity world changer. That's what this podcast is all about. And, you know, when we think about an InterVarsity world changer, we think about somebody who has had a formative experience with InterVarsity. You've shared some of that already, and you're going to share more about that in a little bit. Um, so that's that's one thing, but also somebody that is growing in love for God, for his word, for his people of every ethnicity and culture and his purposes in the world. That when those things are happening, that's that's somebody that we look at and say, this is somebody that's participating in God's world-changing work. And we could talk about that from a number of perspectives in your life and the things that you're experiencing, the, you know, the, the, the work that you and Daniel have done professionally and how that's lived out in those spaces. Uh, the fact that you have been training your church in manuscript study, like helping, helping your congregation learn how to engage scripture um, in meaningful ways. That's super cool. We could totally talk about that. Uh, but I'd like for us to lean into um, the work that God is doing through your family family through foster care. That's the place that I'd like for us to spend time today talking about this. So give us just a little bit of an intro into what that is, into that process for you. I mean, what, what is it like being a foster family? How long have you been fostering? Who do you typically see in this space? Uh, just, just give us a, a big picture perspective of, of foster care. Well, so Daniel and I have been married for seven years okay. and we've been fostering now for six. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so this has been happening even longer than I realized. Oh my goodness! Yeah, okay. Yeah, so this is our sixth year, sixth year fostering. So I told you before that my daughters are are one and three. So this was before, before wow. we even had children of our own. It it goes it goes a ways back. Um, I I have always loved children, um, and caring for children. That has been just part of my makeup. Hmm forever and and anybody who knew me as a child my my closest family members they all everybody knows that about me um i was always caring for kids babysitting nannying and not even just like in that formal role but i was just drawn to to the children in the room no matter we were where we were in the mall at a wedding always noticing the babies always noticing the children um so that's just who i am that's who i've always been and uh, i was i was exposed you might say to to some foster families growing up that um that was impressionable on me we had a family in my my home church growing up who always seemed to have different kids staying with them and, and especially little ones. And I often served in the nursery at church. That's where I loved to be. And, and, and they had seemed like they always had a baby or something with them. And, um, so I was exposed <laughs> to that a little bit. And then my mom, one of my mom's, um, dear friends growing up, her and her husband, um, fostered babies, um, through, I think like Lutheran social services, one of those. And they, they just always had a baby and then the baby would leave and then another baby would mm. come. And I, I just love babies. And, um, so that, you know, like as I process my story now, I think back to those things, um, okay. when we started fostering, I maybe wouldn't have talked about those stories, but, um, I've been asked this question before. So, so I certainly <laughs> think that those things weighed in. So I knew that God, you know, had, had created me this way. Uh, I absolutely wanted to be a mom have, you know, children of my own 
have friends with children and, and care for them? What does that look like? Um, I, you know, I considered working as a, you know, a nurse that takes care of babies or, or in a school that takes care of little kids. You know, I, I yeah. considered all of these things in my, my profession. And I, I read a book that is called Kisses from Katie. It's a, it's a really, really beautiful story of a, of a, a young girl who, who goes to an orphanage and, and just falls in love with these children. And, and the whole story is about, um, how God is, how she had to rely on God so much. It's a, what's an awesome book. Everybody should read it, but it really broke my heart for, for orphans and for mm. like children who, who need care, but also like, I was just really, really inspired and touched by the way that she could not do it on her own and how she just really, really, really like had faith that Jesus would carry her through as long as she was faithful in caring Mm -hmm. for these, these kids. And, um, so all of these things were happening and we were married, we had moved to Yankton, we had an apartment, we both had a job. Um, and we were like, I was like, we should do foster care. Did you know that there are kids in our state and in our community that don't have anyone to take care of them? Like we could take care of them. And so I first, I don't even know if I talked to him about it first. I think I called the <laughs> department of social services and was like, I need to find out how this works. How, how do you become a foster parent? And, and what does that even look like? And got some of those initial questions answered. And then, then asked Daniel about it. And we were actually at the home of our family friends who, who, um, fostered babies when I was growing up, we were actually at their house at in their backyard at, for a pool party. And uh, I just asked Daniel, like, can we get licensed for foster care? Like, can we do that like now? Um, and he said, yes. So we just nice. ran with it and it was summertime at that time. And, and, um, by Thanksgiving we had completed the licensure process with classes. And, and then by, in May, we, um, got a phone call that our, our license was improved. And can you take a five-year-old? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's crazy. Can uh, I mean? So it, I mean, it seems like this has been a, a a lifelong process. Whether or not you could have identified that in the moment, um, and and then find it all just kind of comes together of this like I need to start investigating this. That you take you take charge of investigating and sort of bringing it to Daniel of like, what do you mm-hmm. think? Should we do this? And so then, as I mean the. The area that you live, the kids that are in need of care like this, mm-hmm. I mean, can you can you just sort of paint us a picture of like who who are some of the kids that are coming in and out of the space with you? What is what is the need that's there? What is that? What is that like? Children in foster care are any, you know, straight home from the hospital sometimes. So just, you know, two okay. days old sometimes all wow. the way up to when they turn 18 um, and in some cases, even after they've turned 18, but all all demographics, um, and I know mm. that's true all over the state, it's temporary. So we have had children in our care for as short as one night. And the longest that we've ever had children in our care was our first placement. And I think she was here for seven months. Okay. Wow. Um, and some, and I know families around here who have had kids in their care longer than that, a year or, or even even longer than that. 
And do you know that going in? Like, do you have a sense of how long the need will be? Or is it sort of like, hey, thanks for doing this. We'll let you know when it's time for them to transition to the next step. Yeah, you you really don't know. Okay. You usually don't know much at all when, when you say yes. So um, usually it looks like law enforcement has gotten involved with a family mm. that has led to the parents being unable to care for the children because they, they probably got arrested or something happened to them and there's children there. Okay. So law enforcement needs to figure out they need to take care of the adults. Someone needs to take care of the children. So, you know, it might be 5 p.m. at the end of their work day. It might be in the middle of the night. Um, they need somewhere for the kids to go now. Um, and that's when they're getting a hold of, of foster parents. So so it's it's always different. But sometimes they'll say, you know, I have, I have a baby and a toddler. Um, I need a place for them to go now. I'm looking into if there are options for them to go with a family member. But right now I just need somewhere for them to go so that I can work on that. So in those cases, it's like, okay, they can, they can come here and you expect that, well, it'll at least be tonight or it will at least be the weekend because I, the worker is a human and it's just her job, not her whole life. So she's off the clock soon and they're going to be safe here until she gets back to work to keep working on this. And she's got other cases and she might have to go to court for somebody else's case. You know, there's all these moving wow. parts. It's not just these kids that she's she's trying to figure out. And sometimes they say, you know, it's this is probably going to be a long placement because the goal is for them to get back with mom and mom's going to be in jail for the next three months or, mm. or, or you know. There's all kinds of things, lots and lots of things. But but sometimes you do know this is probably going to be a while. And sometimes it's like, this might not be a while, but they need somewhere to go now. It sounds like it's kind of across the board. Sometimes you have an idea. Sometimes you just really don't. What is that like for for you and your family to open your doors in the middle of the night? You're getting a phone call. And I mean, what has that been like for you all inviting people into your home for relatively unspecified lengths of time that you don't have any previous emotional connection to and just saying like, yep, come live with us. I mean, what has that experience been like for you? I love it. We we have a, a beautiful home here. We have space. We we're always my mindset is we're we're always ready. Um, we've got extra beds. We we know how to get ready real quick for for kids. But it, it does, it changes things. Um, but I always have it in the back of my mind when I'm thinking through our week, like what would it look like if we got a call? What types of things would I need to, you know, get prepared in order to be ready to take a call? I, it's less comfortable for Daniel. He, w- I wish he was here to to share with you from his perspective because we're so different. But I think it's helpful for other people to hear too that you don't have to be just like me in order to, right. to do this and do it well because he's not just like me. Um, and it's, but it's his his desire to do it too. He would tell you that he loves loves doing foster care, but we're we're very different. Yes. Yeah. Which is an interesting part of, you know, following Jesus together as opposed to like being on your own. This is what God has called me into. So I'm just going to go into it full bore of like you're you're 
sort of individual and communal callings may not be exactly the same, but because you are doing this together, you are committed together to making this work. Even if one of you is particularly passionate about it and the other yeah. one is like, I believe in what we're doing, but I don't have the same kind of passions that, you know, that Leah does, that there, that there is yeah. this mutual partnership that's going on while also acknowledging that you're different. And that's, yeah. that's I mean, that's a fascinating part of following Jesus together as a family. Yeah, that's very true of us. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing. Uh, as you think about, I mean, what what's it like when it's time to say goodbye? Uh, when it's time for, for a kid to move to the next stage, what's that like for you all? That's the piece that everybody gets really, really hung up on. And that's like the number one reason that I hear people say that they couldn't do it or they're unwilling to do it because it would mm. be so hard when they leave. It can be hard when they leave, but it also can be, it's lots of things. Um, sometimes it's sad. Sometimes it's like selfishly sad because mm. I really enjoy their, them being here. And I, and I have this selfish, um, sinful thinking that I'm the best thing for them and they need me. That makes it sad. But, mm. but that's something that like we have to work through that. That's not Jesus's heart. That's me thinking I'm better and I'm the best mom for this kid when I'm not or in the, or, you know, it's out of my control. So, but there's lots of other things. Sometimes it's a relief and hmm. I don't like, that's okay to feel that way. Um, like, whew, this has been a really hard season. We had five extra kids in our home for a month and now they're going wow. elsewhere. Whew, we can have our family back for a little while and that's okay. And we can just hang out together. We can just catch up on all the things we can, you know, so sometimes it's a relief. Um, sometimes it's like so, so sweet that they get to go back to a family member who has been working really hard to get them back. Um, yeah a parent, a grandparent, um, an aunt, something like that. And, and that can be so, so sweet. So, so it's a lot of different things. Usually you don't, uh, oftentimes you don't have a lot of warning, so that can be a hard piece of it. It can go really okay. fast. Like you, you could know, okay, today we have court and you could, there's like two options. Usually when they go to court, it's like either you're going to have them for another month until the next court date or they're going to go back today. So, so in foster care, there's a lot of like living from court date to court date. And, and that's, that's just a hard piece of it. But, but what I do believe and what I work really hard at is being faithful while they're in my care. Mm. So it's out of my control when they leave and it's out of my control if they leave or where they go. I really don't have much to say in that, but that's not my role. I'm not the judge or the caseworker. My role is to be the foster parent. My role mm. is that when they're with me, they their needs are met, they're seen, they're loved, they're listened to, they're protected. Um, I'm consistent. I do what I say and I say what I'll do. Mm. Um, I pick them up when I say I'm going to pick them up. There's always supper. You know, though that's my role. So I, I try not to get too caught up on on all of those pieces and decisions. And I think a lot of the foster parents that are really struggling, um, can get, uh, have a lot of anger about what was decided and, and if they think that was the right decision and, and, 
and all of those things and and that can make you your heart really hard and and be really hard to that if that's where you're hung up and so i really just focus on being faithful stepping out in faith to say yes and then being faithful with the time that they're in my care and and these kids they they don't need you to be perfect they don't need you to to save them they don't need you to fix them what they need from us is somewhere where they can just be safe um and mm. most of them haven't known that most of them have had really turbulent lives where they've they haven't had one place to call home they've been all over the place and they haven't had consistent sleeping in the same bed night after night they haven't had people adults in their life who have consistently done what they said they were going to do um they've been lied to many times that that's been their story and when they come to our house i want them to see two parents who are just walking out not perfect not a perfect marriage not a perfect household sure. but just consistent caring and and absolutely we like we want we do we take an opportunity to to share jesus with these kids and to to make sure that they've heard the gospel but even before we get there um we want to model for them like a life that they could have. Mm. Like you can have a home that's safe. You can choose a spouse that is kind and protects you. Um, you can work and you can have money and a job and, and you can go to school and do well in school. And um, you can have adults that you can count on. And they'll, they'll, I, I know that they'll take those things with them. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds to me like the ultimate goal for you as, as you and Daniel, as, as your family as a whole is fostering and welcoming people in is that you're providing safety, consistency. And even if you can't control what happens next, what the next step is for them, that you can model what what could happen down the road uh, that like there are decisions that you can make that will move your life in the direction of safety, consistency, faithfulness, and, uh, and giving them, giving them a model of that for whatever amount of time that you have, that that feels like we're being faithful with what, with the moments that we have with these kids. And that's, that's what we're being invited to do, not to save them, but to be present with them. And, and to, to speak hope and, and identity, um, like, and it's different because it's different how you can love on a two month old. You just savor the sweet two month old <laughs> and you just hold them and you just mm. pray over them and you just love them. But also, what I love to do for those older kids is just talk about the hope that we have in Jesus and the, the mm. redemption. You, you, you are not the worst thing that's ever happened to you. That's, that's hmm. not who you are. Like they'll, they'll talk, they'll talk openly about how it's different at their house and how, you know, the, the negative, sad things that they've seen and heard. And, and we'll talk about that doesn't have to be that way for you forever. Right now you're, you're a kid and, and that's your, your family. And, but it's not the only way. And, and this isn't your whole life. And that doesn't define who you are. 
and what a you know and what a real way uh gosh we're you know in james talking about faith faith and works and you know what good is it if you tell your brother who's hungry you know be blessed go be be warm and well fed but you don't do anything Mm -hmm. to provide for that need like what's the good what's the good of that that here you are providing real tangible like we are helping you be clothed and fed and kept safe and right along with that we are doing our best to impart with you the hope of jesus that this life is not the end all be all that there's more than just these moments that you're experiencing which can feel like a really like the t- the tension feels real for me in that space of like how do you how do you step in for a child in particular that is experiencing just stuff that no adult should ever experience uh but as a child is is experiencing these things and and, and to to step in in those ways and share the hope of Jesus which sometimes can feel so intangible when the tangibles in their life are so like scary, dangerous, mm-hmm. or, or inconsistent, whatever it might be for their case. Uh, and to say, like, there is something more than this that does not look like the situation that you come from. And the, all, all these things that you've known, there's more and there's more in Jesus. And what a cool place that you get to, you get to share both of those things, real, tangible, <laughs> like, let's keep you warm and well-fed tonight. And let's tell you about the hope that, that, that you have in Jesus and model that for you. And people and people so often are like, oh man, well, that's really cool. I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you, but but I couldn't do that. Like you should see my house. We don't have space, or or my life is so busy. Like my kids are in all these things, and I I mean there are hard pieces about foster care for sure. There are hard things. I, I acknowledge that, but a lot of it is just not that hard. Like hmm. a lot of it is just fine. We have an extra girl in our, in our house right now. And, and it, and it's just fine. We have just one more person sitting at supper and, and one <laughs> yeah. more person to hop in the van and, and drop off at school and pick up at school and come along with us on all the things that we do. And a lot of days it's not hard. A lot of days it's, it's just like if one of your kids' friends was just staying for a couple days like it's fun it's fun for my my daughters have fun having extra kids in the house um it's never been a problem with i get those questions is it how is it with other kids and it's fun they're they love having extra friends come over they get excited when i tell them guess what there's somebody in the car that's gonna stay at our house when i pick them up from daycare because sometimes Mm. it happens during the middle of the day and they left (laughs) and nobody was here and they get home and there's extras Um, (laughs) and it's fun and they share they share their toys and they they play together and 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 then they leave and then they ask about them maybe you know where's so-and-so are we gonna pick so-and-so up and and we talk about, oh, no, they they aren't going to be staying with us anymore. They're staying mm. with their grandma now. And and that's OK. It's just part of their part of their life now. And, and honestly, like the kids, it's not just like give, 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 give into these kids. And it's so hard to take care of them. Um, it's a it's a joy to have them mm. at our house. They teach us so much about like the world and parts of the world that we've never experienced they humble us to like what we have and how, like the the great great blessings that we've been given and that that we don't even deserve cuz we yeah. were born into a family with much you know mm. and 
they they make us laugh they they take care of our kids they help us they you know like not in a we're putting them to work type of way but but when I'm cooking and last night Charlie my almost two-year-old dropped her popsicle that she was having before supper (laughs) to keep her quiet while I cooked supper (laughs) she dropped it on the floor four times and and the and the child staying with us was just helping her and I didn't even Mm. notice until the fourth time that she was picking it up off the floor for her so she they're they're just it's a joy to have these sweet sweet children that that God loves and that God knows as part of our family for a night or longer it's, yeah. it's truly a joy. And what an awesome education for your kids too to see, you know, as they ask questions of like, well, why, why, why are they gone? Why are they moving on to the next spot? And, and for you to be able to model, even for your kids of like, we, we are, we're being faithful to the time that we have. We are not these kids saviors. Like that's not what God's invited us to do. God's invited us to be faithful and to love these kids while we have them and to entrust yeah. them back to him in, in the next steps. And like, yeah, and that, that's amazing. I, you know, Leah, you're already, you're already sharing like some, some really cool stories here, but I, I, um, you know, I wonder, is there, I I recognize that there's certainly details that you can't share. Like we got to keep people safe and protected, but is there a story or a version of a story that you can tell of ways that you've seen like overt impact on a child or their broader family or just ways simply a way that you've seen Jesus at work of like this is a moment that happened and I know that it was Jesus moving in this time that we that we had this kid or these kids in our home. Well, the the first child that we had in our care um has just been like inspiration for us the whole way. Um, she was five and we thought it was just going to be like for the weekend because her caregiver was ill and in in the hospital. So it's our first placement. She's five. It's just the weekend. Like she could stay with us. We were so excited. We've been waiting like nine months to get our license approved and we were so excited. And, and she was the most challenging child Mm. that I've ever met in my whole life just just out of control and all because of the abuse and the great great abuse and and trauma mm. that she had known for her 5 years of life um and i i never met a child like this that that you can't take anywhere you can't take into the store like what are we going to do how are we going to take care of this child um so it i mean it opened our our mind to and our like understanding of, of what trauma and abuse does to the a human body. Um, mm. but, but that wasn't the end of her story. So that's how she started. And then we, we didn't have kids of our own yet. It was just me and Daniel and her. And so we had time, we had time to sit with her and we had time to go to therapy with her and we had just time to take breaks with, from her with each other. And, um, seven months. She was in our care for seven months and she was a different child when she left. You unrecognizable. I have pictures from before and after, even the way she looks and stands and walks and talks completely different. She could, at the end of seven months, so she was six then, she she could go to school for the whole day. She could sit with us through church. We could take her to a restaurant. Um, 
you could understand her when she spoke. She she was potty trained. She was sleeping through the night. Um, she could dress herself. You know the things the things that we take for granted that a six year old might be able to do and handle. Yeah. And we have had so many people in our life tell us that she she was the most challenging child that they've ever met. Um, and her teacher and her and her daycare provider and her pediatrician and, and we still know all these people. It's still in our small town. And they still talk about her too. And they say, Oh man. And and sometimes they give us praise that that we don't deserve for for where she came. But um the point of it and we didn't do anything special. We did nothing special for her besides just be consistent wow. and provide for her needs and not harm her. And it was just amazing, the transformation. So we know what just consistently showing up for a child and just providing them, just providing their very, very basic needs, even if that's all you can do, that, that makes such a difference and her life is completely different completely different and she she got adopted by by family who is wonderful and has stayed in contact with us so we still get updated school pictures from her and we send her birthday gifts and um she's got family here in town so she comes back to visit and we get to see her and, uh, and it's all that we need to know that that this matters that these kids matter and it is certainly certainly worth our time and investment. Wow. That's unbelievable that, uh, you, you were thinking a weekend and, and here ends up being all of these months and a time, I would have to imagine that that was just as much. Well, maybe I shouldn't say it that way. I would, I would have to imagine that that was also extraordinarily formative for you and Daniel that that time of like your very first experience uh, ends up being the most challenging child that you that you've had up to this point yeah and six years (laughs) yes in the six years it's the first one and to see such a drastic transformation and to be someone that you still have contact with and you get to see um and that you know it was that this was happening because you were because the two of you were faithful in the simple ways that God invited you to be faithful. And yeah, she's thriving now. And, wow. and Jesus knew the whole picture. Absolutely. Jesus knew the whole plan. Yes. And he knows the rest of her plan. And and that that wasn't the end of end of her story. And there's just so much more for these kids. That is I love that. Man, that's that story got me. Uh I that that's amazing. Um is there uh wow, where do I go from there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, so is there transformation that you see happening even like broader community because of the work that you're doing, the investments that that you and your family are making? Like, are there ripple effects that you can see in the people that you're connected to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in in my in both of our families, like going from this place of like, OK, are you sure you want to do that? That sounds like. <laughs> yes. Like, couldn't you just keep it just easy and just, why don't you just have a baby of your own? Like, right. <laughs> wow. Um, to like, now they're like, it's so excited when we've, you know, let them know that we're taking in the placement and then they're, and they're helpful and, and they're, you know, gracious with these different kids. And that's our own families to our, to our whole community. So, so I, I serve on the, the board at Restore Church in Yankton and, and I, my um, title is the director of rap ministry. Okay. So 
So I started a ministry here in Yankton to serve um, the foster families and the children in foster care. So through our experience, we've really seen just a great need for support for foster families. Um, so because it is hard mm-hmm. and so that they can continue to say yes. Um, and because these kids don't have a village of support like like our friends and family do. Um, so we're really just trying to be that that support for the for the foster families and the children in care. So um, we we build teams of support that that we call it wrap around that wrap around them. W A R P it stands for words of encouragement, respite, acts of service, and prayer. So we wrap around um, the foster families in our community. I um, started the it's the Restore Church and it's it's called Restore Foster Closet. So we. Uh, have donated items so that we can make sure that all children that come into care can be set up right away with with clothes and shoes and coats and toiletries and diapers and and all the things that they need when they first get dropped off. Because usually when kids come into foster care, they don't bring anything with them. Usually law enforcement just grabs them and, and, and brings them over. So we set them up with with nice things right off the bat. And that's a big support to the foster family, not because foster families can't afford those things or or buy those things. But when those kids get placed with them, there are so many things that they're trying to they're just trying to make sure those kids are okay, and make sure that they have a plan for in the morning for childcare or school. They're communicating with caseworkers and and letting their work know that they're going to be late and all of these things that they have to do in those first 12 hours that they don't always, and maybe there's extra kids, it's the middle of the night, whatever. Um, It's hard to just take them shopping or whatever. So, So we just show up at their doorstep with a bag that was packed just for them and their size and gender. And we say, thank you for taking care of these kids. We are so grateful for you. Here's some things to get you started. We we have a a deep freeze there at the foster closet. So we keep it stocked with meals that the community has provided. Um, And we say, here's supper, um, because I know that was the last thing on your mind and these kids are hungry. (laughs) so, so that's what I've, and I've been through that. I've been trying to really build support for our foster families, um, a sense of community amongst our foster families. Like, Hey, we, we get this. Yeah. We're in this together. We know the hearts. We know the goods. You don't have to explain yourself to me. You can call me when you're frustrated. I won't talk you out of fostering. You know, I, I, I'm in it with you. If you need a break, I'll watch the kids in your care so you can have a break. Like, let's just be each other's village. Um, So that's been wonderful. Um, We've used it just to spread awareness. Like, did you know that there are 25 kids in Yankton today that are in foster care? A lot of people don't know that. Wow. Um, and, And I know them. I know all of them by name. I've met them all. I know the families that are caring for them. Um, And... And so just raising awareness and just through our church and through our community and the newspaper and the radio and and just all the ways just to get the word out that that there is a great need here uh, and and our community can support this. There's 17,000 people in Yankton and there's 25 children in foster care. Like we can take care of them. Yeah, but it feels like the the odds are the odds are in your favor of being able to like have a community of people to place 25 kids in, with yeah, 17,000 people at how hard it is to find placements. We wow. get, I, we get calls almost every single day that there are children in South Dakota right now that they're currently trying to find a home for. Wow. 
because there is such a great need. And, and I know that you're not even in South Dakota and listeners might be in different states. And this is not just a South Dakota problem. Right. This is a nationwide problem. And I don't know specifics about um, getting involved in foster care in, in other states, but I but I would ha- I would love to connect anybody who is wondering how to do that. And, and Google can be your friend. You can find <laughs> out how to get involved in your state. Yes, yes, absolutely. Gosh, uh, Leah, you've already named a few of these different things. I, and I, I want to recognize that, you know, there are many things that God has been using to shape you and form you and to lead you into this space and to do this work. And one of those has been InterVarsity. Um, can you look back over your time, all these years that you've known and been connected to InterVarsity? And is there like, is there a thread that you can see of ways that you were shaped and formed during your time with InterVarsity that has helped lead you to this space now? Yes. The answer is yes. So really, honestly, truly through university, I was taught how to study scripture. I, before that I had, I did, I had a Bible, I had memorized verses. Sure. I was involved in Awana as a kid and, and I knew a lot of verses, but I did not know the story of scripture. Mm. I did not know the, the beginning to end story of, of, of creation and fall. And then the whole rest of it, God's plan to redeem his people. I didn't know that until I started studying through inductive Bible study through university in college. Um, and that just brought scripture to life for me. And I had this excitement. It was so fun to do manuscript study in large group with Chris Nielsen at MUP. Like, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And all the other places that we did manuscript study, it was so fun to, to just discover it together. And, and that will stick with me for the rest of my life. I'm so thankful for that time. My Bible just used to sit on a shelf and now it's like, it's so much more to me. Um, and it's so fun to study, um, his people, um, God broke my heart for his people in college through university. I, I grew up in a little community and I had, you know, learned to, to spend time with people just like me, who, who looked like me, who lived Mm. like me, who liked the things I like. And, and through university, I was exposed to people of all different cultures and races and backgrounds and families and different types of struggles and brokenness that, that I didn't know at all before college. Um, and it was so good for me. I fell in love with a, a, a girl from Bangladesh who lived on campus who was Muslim and before, without university, I would have never fallen in love with this friend, um, who, who I still talk to today and who I've been witnessing to since I met her through university (laughs) in college and, and, and other friends, like friends from Ghana and friends from Jamaica, real friends with names in my mind right now, um, that I would have, I've not had a love for. And, and that just shaped me more and grew me, um, as a person and, and, and grew my, my view of, of God and, and his people, um, and his purpose, um, his purpose to, to like redemption is just such a big piece of, of my faith. And, um, like the way that he, he redeemed me, he redeemed my identity in, 
college was really trans. I was a believer in Jesus absolutely before I came to college. And I believed that I was saved. Um, I believed in, in his death and resurrection um, and accepted that for the forgiveness of my sins. So I do believe that I was, I was saved before that, but, but it was just really transformational for me in college and, and just really understanding my identity um, wasn't in who other people think I was and the accomplishments that I had and the mistakes that I had made. Mm. It, he really redeemed that to, to who he is and who he's called me to be. And, and through that redemption um, in my call to serve him and, and that's carried on, on through my life and, and just really the way that I interact with people now and the way that I do ministry um, is is really in that redemption. When, when people are hurting and people are struggling, this isn't God's best for you. Mm. This isn't the end of your story. God's, you know, God's, the scriptures aren't this book of rules to make your life hard. This scripture is... Um, God's way of sharing his best for you. Mm. Um, if you're living outside of this, um, you're going to face really hard things. And yeah. um, that's been a big part of, of my ministry. And there's hopefully lots more of it yet to come. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it sounds, it sounds like the, like the Lord has, has used, as you said, many different things, but, but has used intervarsity to shape so much of the way that you see people and the ways that you understand God's calling in your life to, to be deeply, deeply rooted in him, deeply invested in others and, and to desire, uh, this, um, uh, you know, was, what is it? John 10 of life and life in its fullest for others. And that being found only in Jesus and, and being mm -hmm. able to live that out in such practical, real ways with these kids, just living down the hall in the, in the home, in a room in your home and, and living them, living consistently, loving them consistently uh, for the time that you have with them. Uh, it's just amazing to see the ways that those things, that, that, that transformation has been happening and can, will continue. I'm sure that if we talk to you 10 years from now, after, you know, these 10 years that God's been working in these ways, that 10 years from now, you'll look back and say like, wow. And I can see all these other ways that God has continued to shape mm -hmm. these things for me. And as you think about other alumni like you who are walking in their own spaces, their own context, that God is king of those spaces and that he is transforming the world around them in those places. Do you have a word of encouragement that you would give to other alumni who are, who are sorting out what it looks like to partner with God in his world changing work? Hmm. I was thinking about this and uh, I think there's a, f a few pieces of it, but who has God made you to be? Like, what has he specifically given to you? Whether, you know, that your gifts and, and your, um, the things that, that bring you joy and excite you, um, God made you that way. So mm. you can, can step into that. And then, in that space, be faithful to him. Um, so your space might not be foster care. Your space is probably elsewhere, um, but just be faithful. So you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to um, 
Like your, your worth is not in like what it becomes. It's, and you just need to be faithful um, where you're at now to him. And like the verse that always, that I always come back to with, with purpose and um, that I would encourage people with, it's first Peter three fifteen, And it says, honor Christ first and always be prepared to give an explanation for the hope that you have, but mm. do this with gentleness and respect. Wow. So, so your identity rooted in, in Christ, in his death and his resurrection, and always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. Um, people are going to notice that you're different. People are going to ask you um, why you do what you do um, and be prepared. Speak, speak to the truth that is Jesus and the hope that you have in him. Yes. Wow. And what is the context that, that God has put you in to do those exact things? And like, there you go. That's how you get to partner with Jesus in his world changing work is doing those things in the context where he's placed you. And that, that, that feels so like, I know it's not, I know it's not simple. It's not, it's certainly not easy, but it does feel like, okay, <laughs> those feel like things that I can start to identify and that I can start to apply. And I, I love that. That's, that's incredibly encouraging. Um, Leah, how can we be praying for you in the work that you're doing? Um, what, yeah, how can we, how can we partner with you well, um, in, in encouraging you in continuing to, to walk with Jesus in this world changing work? Thank you. Well, I, I'm encouraged just, just sharing with you today. So thank you for letting us share about, Absolutely. about our journey. And I would welcome prayer for more people to say yes. I'm mm. always praying like, Lord, just break people's hearts for your children, break people's hearts for the things that break yours. And, and um, would more people just say yes. We, we need more people to say yes to letting a child stay at their house for a short period of time mm. to be safe um, all across the country. So I'm always praying for that. You can pray for my family, um, just that we would just um, be united together um, for Daniel and I, that we would be united together, that that we would not let the hard parts of of taking care of extra kids and, and busyness and all of the things come between us, but that we would stay united together first and that our heart would just be grown even more for, for these children. Um, and that we would just not miss any opportunity to, to care for them and, and share truth with them. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. That, and, and just in case there are people listening to this who are like, oh, I feel like maybe something is sparking in me, not only for growing in partnering with Jesus and his world changing work in my context, but maybe specifically for doing foster care. Is there like a simple first step that people can take that you can just like, hey, do this and it will start you down the road of investigating this? Yeah, we can tag it somewhere when you yes, post this. Yes, we can put but, it in the show notes and all that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah, we definitely can. But like, uh, if you're in South Dakota, you can go to the Department of Social Services website and there's um, a link in there that says commit to no more. And mm. it just gives your basic information and then you'll get a call from the department asking you what questions do you have? What what more can we, can we tell you about this? Um, commit to no more on the Department of Social Services website. Otherwise, if you are in a different state, there are lots of options out there. You can get licensed through the state, 
That's what we are. Okay. You can also get licensed through different agencies, all different options. Just start asking questions. The answers are out there. Um, just start asking questions. And asking questions is not committing to saying yes to a kid in your home. Um, a couple pieces on that just briefly is like when – when the department calls us and says, hey, we have these kids we're trying to find a place for, we don't have to say yes. Okay. So just know that even if you get licensed, you don't, you're not at their mercy, you know, every, for all the time. So they call you, they tell you what they know, and you say yes or no. Okay. And, and it is okay to say no. And we've said no many times. Um, we've said yes many times, and we've said no many times for all different reasons. Um, so just, I want listeners to, to know that, um, there are times when it's okay to say no for lots of reasons. So, um, and there'll always be another ask. So I got at one day I got asked in the morning for newborn twins. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then in the afternoon for two teenagers, like, okay. And I, you know, probably said no to both of those, but <laughs> you, it is okay to say no. And we, like in our house, we have had, and you can like have limits on what you're willing to do. You only want to take boys. You only want to take girls. You won't take more than two at a time. You'll only take babies. You'll only take teenagers. I mean, you get to decide who's okay. going to come into your house. So, and Daniel and I have we have, we've had sets of twins twice. Um, we've had brand new baby straight home from the hospital and we've wow. had 17 year old teenager with a job. <laughs> there's, <laughs> nice. there's, we've had up to five siblings at a time. Um, all, all different types. So there's a wow. need for all of them. Yes. That's awesome. Incredibly helpful. Uh, and nice to have some, some clear, simple next steps people can take if they would like to do this specifically. So thanks a lot for that. Leah, thank you so much for joining us yet again for an early episode of a new alumni podcast. And thank you so much for sharing your story about the ways that you're partnering with God. It's amazing to see the work that God is doing. And it's super cool to know that he's invited you to be a part of that. And I just want to if you haven't, if, if somebody hasn't said thank you to you recently, then let, let us be the ones to say it. Thank you, Leah, for the ways that you are faithful to Jesus. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, and thanks for, for the ways that you do what God has invited you to do in such loving, practical, real ways uh, that, that just mean a lot. It's awesome to see alumni like you doing this kind of stuff. So thanks a lot. Thank you, John. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, alumni. Check the show notes for more information about today's guest and for ways that you could be praying for your fellow alum. If you know someone who needs to hear this story, take just a moment to share the episode with them and then be sure to leave us a rating and a review as well. Now go change that world, alumni. Thanks for listening to InterVarsity World Changers. This podcast is brought to you by the InterVarsity Alumni Relations Team, hosted and produced by John Steele, production assistance by Mike Santera, and our theme song is Crazy by InterVarsity alumnus Andy Minio.